Oftentimes, the word desert brings to mind a dry, barren wilderness. But many deserts are bursting with life and beauty, especially in the spring. The vibrant colors of the beautiful desert in bloom testify of the Creator. Stay tuned. I'm very much intrigued by the potentials for survival that God has created in these life forms. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Although we may view deserts as uninhabitable, many times this is not the case. A number of deserts are home to a wide variety of vegetation, including cacti and wildflowers. But how do these amazing plants survive on so little water? Hike through the desert with us for the next 15 minutes as we focus on the desert in bloom and learn survival secrets of the resilient flora found there. Dr. Dennis England, professor of biology at the Masters College in California, says... God's hand of creation is present even in the hostile desert environment. We find in many areas that are very inhospitable to us as humans, very dry, hot, arid areas, we find life growing. We find an immense number of plant forms and animal forms living in these areas. God has equipped them to survive there. And often we make assumptions about them. We say, well... They're like this or they're like that. They're like the plants we know about. But without taking a close second look at them, we actually miss many of the things that God has equipped them with. Desert plants have survived for centuries in an atmosphere of extreme environmental conditions. Dr. John Silvius, professor of biology at Cedarville University in Ohio, also teaches ecology and botany. He says desert vegetation endure a lot of heat and survive on just a little bit of water. Generally, the moisture uh, comes at infrequent intervals, and in some cases, uh, when it does come, it's like downpours. You can have areas that are just eroded out in the desert where lots of water and runoff has occurred, and then you go for a long period of time where you'll have dry seasons with no rain. And then the other challenge here is with the temperature, which combines with limited moisture to make the desert a very challenging habitat for plants to live in. And consider that you have a shortage of water and now the air temperature becomes very hot during the day, very cold at night. So there again you have extremes of temperature and and moisture. And due to the lack of water in the desert, the rainy season is of extreme importance. ICR biologist Dr. Ken Cumming. It's so crucial that the plants of the desert receive the early rains in the winter. Those rains come along and get the whole process of germination and development and seed bearing uh, to take place for the cycle of growth and development. And then the latter rains to finish up the process of preparing the seeds for the next generation. Besides rainfall, desert plants rely on stored water for survival. Dr. Silvius. The adaptations for water storage are typical in some desert plants, such as the saguaro cactus, and barrel cacti, and these would have large fleshy organs, either the stem or other parts of the plant that would store large amounts of water between rains. So you have different strategies here for capturing and retaining moisture. Water can also be stored underneath the desert surface. Dr. England. If you look below the ground level, usually there's a very high water table, which provides immense amounts of water to that plant. And what's amazing 
is that the evaporation rate in plants, especially cactus, is higher than we thought it would be. And by this means, the plant is actually cooling itself off, but then one would say, but it's going to dehydrate. It's losing moisture. Well, the problem there is that it has a moisture source to compensate for it. So one has to look at two things there as it's taking place. It's really a tricky balance, but God, in anticipation, built their physiology to handle that. But have these plants always endured such harsh conditions? Dr. Cummings says it wasn't until after the worldwide Genesis flood that these plants had to adapt to a desert environment. Our perspective is that before the flood, pretty uniform habitats. After the flood, everything changed. There was elevation of the mountains, there were depths of the sea, and just a wide range of habitats that became available, but organisms were so designed by God to be able to meet the challenge and fit into the new niches. Dr. Silvius. We don't understand all these adaptations, but we have an idea that these plants have these features that help them to survive. Some of those would include deep root systems. You might expect you know, roots to go down deep to tap water that may have infiltrated down deeper than usual. And so that's a feature of some plants. Others may have just the opposite, very shallow roots that go a great distance. You may have noticed already in a desert setting you have plants that are kind of further far spaced from each other. And a lot of times their roots will actually meet each other over a long distance. And the idea there is to capture water from a larger area, particularly surface water, before it soaks down in the ground. Living in the desert certainly is challenging, but Dr. Cummings says there's a couple of different methods that desert fauna use to survive. In the southwest, the Sonoran Desert is subject to about maybe under 10 inches, anywhere from 4 to 8 inches perhaps of rain in a year, both winter rains and summer rains or late summer rains. And uh, therefore, these plants have to capitalize on the available water when it comes. They have to uh, have one of two strategies. One where they avoid the absence of rain during the hot period of the summer, or the second one where they tolerate the absence of water during the drought times. Both strategies work, and so we see in the, in the case of the cacti, that they tolerate the downtime, the slow time, uh, where there's very little rain. Where, as the annuals, they capitalize on the winter rains, they grow fast. Besides the obvious need for water, plants must also have carbon dioxide in order to make their food. But the arid climate presents a problem for desert plants needing to obtain CO2. Dr. Silvius explains how complex this situation really is. And the challenge of plants in order to grow is to open their pores, their leaf pores, in such a way to take in carbon dioxide from the atmosphere without losing too much water, considering that the inside of a leaf is very humid. You can imagine in opening pores to get carbon dioxide to come in, you're also going to be losing that water vapor out into the dry air. So the challenge there is kind of a Catch-22, how do you bring in CO2 and avoid losing so much water? All desert plants, including cacti, face this dilemma. Dr. England. But if you look at the cactus, the prickly cactus, you know, the long needles that are very foreboding, 
These needles are leaves. And by the surface area of these leaves, many times they're equipped to hold in the moisture during the daytime, draw moisture up through the roots. But what they need more than that, in essence, is CO2, carbon dioxide, because for photosynthesis to occur, they have to have carbon dioxide. So just how do these plants strategize to retain moisture and take in carbon dioxide? Let's consider the non-cactus-type flowering plants, called annuals. As Dr. Cummings said earlier, these plants avoid the hot, dry summer period. Dr. Silvius explains their strategy for desert survival. They'll oftentimes time their life cycles so that they do their flowering in the most moist season of the year. This is how we get those beautiful displays of many colors of flowers coming all of a sudden. They're quickly completing their life cycle, going to seed, and then going back dormant again. And perhaps the only thing that survives would be the seed or the root system during the dry period. Then there are cacti and other plants that, instead of going dormant, tolerate less moisture and excessive heat. So how do they take in carbon dioxide and retain water at the same time? There are pores that actually open at night, which is a fascinating strategy in just a few plants. The crassulation acid plants would be something like sedum. Some of the cacti fit into this group as well. They uh, will tend to open their pores at night, which would be a time when there would be less dryness and the air would be cooler. And then they bring in the CO2 at night, close their pores, in the daytime and finish the making of sugars in the light during the day. The way desert plants survive and even thrive is just incredible. Even though conventional scientists credit resilient desert plant life to the chance process of evolution, creation scientists would disagree. In fact, Dr. England says the only reason desert plants do survive is because they were created. I find as a biologist I'm very much intrigued by the potentials for survival that God has created in these life forms. And because I believe he's created that potential, I look for it. I don't assume they evolved by chance. If you assume they evolved by chance, you've got a much more limited view than if you figure that a very intelligent God of grace and love has provided for his creation, and he knew in advance what the hardships would be. And he's built all of these fantastic mechanisms in place there for him. The idea that a cactus could undergo transpiration, cool by evaporation, and still have enough water was inconceivable to many. But when they looked much closer, they found this to be the case. It's amazing the potential that's there. And when we look at it as coming from a benevolent creator, they were more optimistic to look for those mechanisms that he's created. And just the idea that this cactus could be getting enough moisture that it can actually afford to lose some by evaporation as a cooling mechanism. But that's been shown to be the case time after time. And it's actually a show of God's abundant grace and provision. Not only do these marvelous desert plants testify of God's creation, they also offer spiritual applications. Dr. Cumming. God has designed in these plants, even in the desert, an opportunity for the plants to teach us about his plan for us, that we should be prepared and adapted 
to our behaviors and our activities such that when God's blessing is upon us, that we're ready for it and we're prepared. James 5, 8, the scripture says, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The long-term lesson for us is, just as the husbandman knows what's going to happen with his crops, and in nature, the plants all have an expectation of what's going to happen with the different rain cycles that are present, then we, as we go about our life, we should be planning ahead for when the Lord will come. Establish our heart. Be prepared. Know his word. Know his promises. Be ready for that wonderful time when the Lord will come and take us to be with him. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.